0: In Acts chapter number 28, I pray that you let this be a time of encouragement, and let this be a time of challenge, and Lord, I pray that you would let this be a time that we uh, could hear from you, Father. I pray you'd use me to speak to your people, in your precious name I pray, amen. Alright, well we're there in Acts chapter number 28, and if you remember from the previous chapter, we read that exciting uh, chapter, Acts chapter 27, and... Acts chapter 27, I don't know about you, but to me, Acts 27 and Acts 28 are probably the two most exciting chapters in the entire book of Acts, especially Acts 27. You've got that story there of the voyage, and Paul uh, was on his way to Rome, and they were caught in a huge storm, and they were shipwrecked, and the the ship was completely destroyed. And and if you look at, you know, we won't take the time to go through it again. We preached through the entire chapter last week, but if you look at verse number 43 of chapter 27... And the Bible says in verse 43 of chapter 27, But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on board, and some on broken pieces of ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. And really that was a miracle of God that, you know, there was, we know, uh, uh... uh, a lot of people on this ship and some of them couldn't even swim and God promised them that they'd all survive and they all survived, even the ones that couldn't swim after being out at sea for weeks after not eating for over 14 days after, the remember the shipmen tried to uh, uh, desert the ship and the soldiers were trying to kill the prisoners and all sorts of crazy stuff was going on but God uh, saw them through that and we preached about the trials of life and the, the storms that come to us but Acts 28 you know, really continues the story of where we left off in Acts 27. And if you see in verse 1, if you, we, we just read there that they jump off the ship, they all swim to shore, some of them can't even swim, they're uh, hanging on by boards and by different parts of the ship there, and they all make it to shore, and in verse 1 it says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. So they get to this island, Melita, and in verse 2 it says, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. That term there, they showed us no little kindness means they showed them Big kindness. They showed him a lot of kindness. They were they were very nice to them. They showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. So they get to this island, there are this barbar you know, there's barbarians that live there, and what the the word barbarian what that's talking about is these people weren't civilized. They weren't civilized like at this time, Rome and and uh, you know, Israel and all these places, they they had cities and they had oh uh, these, these people were probably living in tents and, and just weren't uh, what we would consider civilized even at this point of life uh, of time and they were on this island they were barbarous people but they were kind to them they brought them in and they uh, kindled a fire and they fed them and they took care of them and they're on this island, look at verse 3, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, I want you to notice, Paul, this whole time, Paul's been the one that's really been, lead. he's a prisoner, but he's been leaving. Remember, he was talking to them, and he prayed with them, and he encouraged them, and they were listening, and because of him, they cheered, they, their hearts were cheered, and Paul was the one that was telling them, hey, God appeared to me, and God told me we're going to make it, and Paul's been the leader. But when he get, and, and by the way, Paul's the one that warned them that we shouldn't go on this voyage, and then he told them, I told you so, and all that. And when they get to X 28, I want you to know Paul isn't lazy. You know, he's not just sitting around, just, well, you guys take care of this. You know, this is your mess. You know, the Bible says in verse 3, Paul, when he had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. They get they get to this island and Paul gets to work. He, he goes out and he's looking for sticks. He's looking for wood to be able to make a fire. And he's doing these things. And the Bible says that when Paul, verse 3, had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hands. I want you to understand this. Paul is going around, Finding wood. And you know that uh, uh, if there, there's a bunch of wood laid out, that's where all the creatures go. You know, that's where uh, you got to be careful. You're in the woods and you're taking out wood to make, you know, you're out camping. you got to be careful. You pick up a piece of wood, there could be a rattlesnake there. That's exactly what happened. Paul picked up this piece of wood and there was a, a, a viper in there. And he threw it into the fire. And when he threw it into the fire, obviously the snake didn't like being thrown into the fire. So the snake jumps out of the piece of wood and... ...fastens on Paul's arm and bites him... ...and this is a poisonous snake. Now I want you to understand a few things about this story. Number one, I want you to see the point in time of the attack. The point in time of the attack. Now we got to understand something... Everything in the Bible, you know, the Bible doesn't just give us great stories because they make great stories. Now, they are great stories, and praise the Lord for it. But everything in the Bible has a spiritual application. The first thing you've got to understand is this. What does this venomous viper represent? And that's a very easy answer to look at. If you go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, these are verses we've actually looked at recently on our Wednesday night series, but I want you to see them again. Revelation chapter number 12, if you look at verse number 9, Revelation, chapter number 12, and verse 9, the Bible says about Satan, it says, And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, you say, what are we talking about? That great dragon, that old serpent, called the devil. And Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, with, and his angels were cast out with him. I like these verses because they give us all the titles of Satan. By the way, Satan's name is not Lucifer anymore. That was his good name when he was an angel. That's the name that God gave him. After he got thrown out of heaven, the Bible tells us he is the dragon, he is the serpent, he is the devil, he is Satan. And and if you're you're there in in Revelation chapter number 12, go with me real quickly to Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20, look at verse number 2. Revelation chapter number 20 and verse 2, we find there a very similar story, a very similar verse. The Bible says, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Go back to to Acts 28. In the Bible, a serpent and a dragon always represent the devil. Do you remember the Garden of Eden? The devil appeared to Adam and Eve and he appeared in the form of a what? Of a snake, of a serpent. The serpent always represents the devil. By the way, the serpent always also represents sin. I don't have time to go through it with you. But if you remember the story in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel, we'll we'll probably get to it as we preach uh, through the Old Testament. Remember, the children of Israel were murmuring against Moses, and God got upset at them, and He sent fiery serpents, and they were biting the people and poisoning them. You remember that story, and, and 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 God told Moses that he had to make a a snake out of out of uh, iron or brass. I don't remember the metal, but he had to make a snake, and he had to and he put the snake on the pole, and he picked up that pole and put that that snake high up in the pole. And anyone after they got bit by that serpent, um, and, and they had that venom running through their body, if they would look at that snake, they would be healed. And I, you, you, have you ever seen the, the, the picture, you know, if you go to like a pharmacy, or sometimes on an ambulance, you know, there's that medical uh, symbol, and it's like a pole with a snake wrapped around it? Who's ever seen that before? Well, that's from the Bible. That's from the, the book, that's from the story there with Moses, when Moses made that uh, uh, serpent there on that pole. And the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of John said, he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, and he makes the reference the same way that, that Moses lifted up that snake in the wilderness, he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. And he said, you know, if people, and that was a picture of Jesus Christ, now you ask this question, if the devil, if the serpent represents the devil, Then why did Jesus say that he would have to be lifted up like the serpent? Well, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the Bible tells us when Jesus was on the cross, he literally became sin for us. And that's why that snake represented Jesus, because on the cross, he became sin. And just like on that day, when anybody would get bit by sin, would get be healed in the same way you and I today. When you're bit by the venom of the devil today, and you've got that sin coursing through your blood, if you'll simply look at Jesus, you'll be saved. Amen. Is the, the story there. But that snake, I want you to understand, represents the devil. It represents sin. It represents wickedness. Paul, I said number one, I'd like you to notice the point in time of the attack. You need to understand this. Paul just came out of a very major trial in his life. He spent weeks out at sea. He spent weeks you know, almost going to die, almost going to starve almost was going to be killed. Out in this horrible storm, they couldn't even see the sun, they couldn't see the moon, they couldn't see the the stars, they they didn't know if they were going to live. It was a horrible trial. They finally come out of that trial. They get onto the land safety, they find some fire and some food Paul's just trying to move on with life, notice he's not doing anything wrong, he's working, he's going around finding sticks to throw in the fire, just trying to make the best out of a bad situation, and at that moment the Bible says a viper comes out of the the fire there, and fastens on him and bites him, and that has that venom, the Bible tells us there's a venomous beast, and it courses through his body now listen, at that point you and I, and the average Christian would react like this God, what are you doing to me? Why can I not cut a break, God? That's what Paul, you know, if Paul said that, we would all understand. I just got done coming out of a huge shipwreck. For weeks I almost died. I didn't eat for 14 days. You know, we barely survived all that. We finally made it to safety. And the next thing I know, I've got a snake biting me. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? That's how you and I would react. Amen. The point in time of the attack. After Paul had come out of a major trial, after Paul was was sitting there and not sinning and not murmuring and not doing wrong, he was trying to work and he was trying to to make the best out of the, the, the situation there, he gets bit by a venomous beast. I said, number one, I want you to see the point in time of the attack, but number two, I'd like you to see the perception of the attack. The perception of the attack. Look at verse number four. Well, let's read verse 3 again. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heap and fastened on his hand. Look at verse 4. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said amongst themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Isn't that amazing? This is, by the way, the reaction of the average person. They see this happen to Paul and here's what they think to themselves. That guy must have done something really bad. They said, they said this guy must have been a murderer. God was trying to kill him on a sea and he happens to survive and he gets on shore and then God has a snake bite. Him. That's what they were thinking. And by the way, that's what usually we as humans, that's how we think. Let me tell you something. You ought never to judge someone, if they're going through a trial in life, if they're going through a hard time in life, if they're going through a storm in life, if they're going through an attack, you ought never look at somebody and say, well, they must be living in sin. Look, that's not for you and I to judge. Now, let me tell you something. God will punish sin. The Bible says that, that, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. But that's not for you and I to decide. You know, that was the mistake that Job's three friends made. Remember Job's three friends? The Bible says that Job was the most righteous man that lived on earth at that time. He'd done nothing wrong. In fact, God was putting him through trials. And it says in the book of Job, He was putting him through the fire to make him come out as pure gold. He was making him better as he went through the trial. And God was showing up to Satan and saying, Hey, let me show you. I've got a man here who's going to serve me no matter what. That sounds good, doesn't it? And his friends came to encourage Job. And I think they really did want to encourage him. But if you read the book of Job there, they spend multiple chapters saying to Job, Job, you must have done something wrong. Job, God's punishing you. Job, get the sin out of your life. And Job's like, look, I'm not perfect, but I haven't been doing anything wrong. And that's the usual, you know, way of thinking. And let me tell you something, we ought not think like that. Y'all never hear of somebody, oh, so-and-so is going through a, a something in their life and think, oh, it must be insane. That's not for your, for you, you're, you're not God. You don't know what they're going through in life or why God's putting them through stuff in life. But these people, they saw Paul. And here's what you he got to understand: Paul's the most righteous man there. Paul's probably one of the most righteous men who ever lived. One of the greatest missionaries who ever lived. He gets bit by the snake and these people are like, this guy, is, he's bad. <clears throat> you know. Vengeance suffereth not to live, is what they said. The perception of the attack. He got attacked and people were like... This guy's got issues. He's got sin. He's got, God's trying to get him. Vengeance, you know, is trying to get him. I said, number one, I want you to notice from the story the point in time of the attack. I said, number two, I want you to notice the perception of the attack. Number three, I'd like you to notice the part we play in the attack. The part we play in an attack. If you look at verse five, well, let's read verse four again. It says, And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt, this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Verse 5. And he, talking about Paul, began to cry and complain and whine and say, God, why are you doing this to me? Is that what it says? And, and Paul got really depressed and, and said, uh, you know, I'm not going to serve God anymore. Is that what it says? Notice what it says. This is all the only reaction we get from Paul. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. And if I, if you know Paul, which I think, I like to think I know a little bit about Paul, after reading through the boy this is what I imagine. Paul's going through, picking up sticks, throws them in the fire, straight, jumps out of the fire, bites him in the arm, and Paul just shrinks him into the fire, and this is what I just imagine Paul just went back to it, picking up sticks. <laughs> that's my vision. Bible doesn't say that, but that's how I see it. Because he just shook the beast off. And here's what you got to understand. During an attack, when the devil attacks? When the viper attacks? When the... When, when, when you're... When you're being... You know... You say... The the, the timing of the attack wasn't very good, God. And, and the perception of the attack wasn't very good, God. Let me tell you something. The part you play in the attack ought to be this. You just shake off the beach. say... Pastor, what do I do when the devil attacks? Ministry, I think, is found in verse number five of Acts chapter number twenty-eight. Because Paul reacts in a way where he just doesn't even think about it, doesn't even say anything. He just shakes off the beast into the fire. Here's what you got to understand: if you're going to be successful in your Christian life, you got to better. You just figure this out right now. The Christian life is a spiritual warfare. This Christian life is a spiritual fight. The Bible says we are at war with with, with uh, the the. So let me tell you something. You're at war with a snake. And if you're going to fight with a snake, you're going to get bit. I'm just telling you that right now. If you go to battle, you're going to get, you know, when you're a kid and you're in school and, and, and uh, you know, those kids are picking on you and, and you decide you're going to stand up for yourself and fight them, you know, you better just go into a fight. Let me tell you something. The best advice I ever got about a fight is you better just go into a fight realizing that you're going to get hit. Now, you may win or you may lose, but you're going to get hit. You just, just come to grips with that right now. And when you're fighting the devil, you're going to get hit. You're going to get bit. You're going to get struck. You're going to have things happen. But you got to decide, how do I react? Paul wasn't, uh, you know, upset that he got bit. He wasn't even, uh, you know, surprised that he got bit. Almost like he's expecting it. He gets bit and he says, oh, great. Why? Because Paul's been living his entire life? Because when you do something for the cause of Christ, let me tell you something, when you do something for God, the devil takes notice. You go out to one of these, you know, uh, non-soul winning, non-King James Bible, liberal, you know, just, uh, you know, just show of a church that aren't doing anything, aren't taking a stand against anything, aren't fighting against anyone, aren't getting anyone taken, aren't getting anyone back aren't trying to accomplish anything. Let me tell you something, you'll live a very... A very, a very easy life. why would the devil spend his time attacking you if you're not doing anything see you're not doing anything why would he attack you he attacks paul cuz paul's doing something and his reaction was this You shake off the beast the secret to paul's success i believe is this when you get bit you just got to learn to shake off the beast you don't get mad cuz you get bit you're in a fight with the when you're in a fight with the snake you better just you're going to get bit You're going to get bit, but you shake off the beast. Go with me real quick to James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4. And let me tell you something, you can't fight against the devil. But you can shake him off. The Bible says in James chapter number 4, look at verse number 7, James is right after the book of Hebrews. James chapter number 4, and look at verse number 7. James chapter number 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Look what it says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You say, can I fight the devil? You may not be able to fight the devil, but you can resist the devil. You may not be able to beat the devil, but I know somebody who can. Remember when you were a kid in school, and you talk about, you know, my dad can beat your dad? Well, let me tell you something. In a spiritual fight, Your my spiritual father can beat your spiritual father. And my spiritual dad can beat your spiritual you up, and I'll let God take care of the rest. That's the Christian life, my friend. And and here's the problem with us Christians. We're trying to go into battle and try to make sure we don't get wounded. Try to make sure we don't get bit. If you just go in thinking, I'm going to get bit, but I'm going to shake it off, you'd be a lot more successful. Go back to Acts chapter number 28. I want you to notice we said number one, the point in time of the attack. Number two, the perception of the attack. Number three, the part we play in the attack number four, I'd like you to see the purpose of the attack. In James chapter number I'm sorry, in Acts chapter number twenty-eight, if you look at verse number well, look at verse five again. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Now I, I I want you to notice something. The Bible says he felt no harm. Do you see that? Look at verse six. How be it? They looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now I want you to know these are barbarians. They don't believe in Jesus Christ, and that's a lower case G God. They they looked at him and, and see, these people are they're familiar with this viper. And they've seen before, when a viper strikes, usually the people get swollen, usually people fall over, maybe they start forming a mouth, maybe they die, and they're just sitting there watching. Because they just saw Paul, get, he got bit, shook the beast into the fire, and they're just sitting there watching to watch him die. Because that's what normally happens when the snake bites. But Paul was a little different. The Bible says Paul felt no harm. Let me, let me tell you something. If you're in the will of God, let, I hope you understand this and don't take this the wrong way. But do you know that as a Christian, when you're smacked down in the middle of the will of God, you are literally invincible. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm saying this. The devil can strike at you all he wants, but you're not going anywhere until God says you're done. You understand that? Yeah. Your, your life isn't done. You say, well, my finances are a wreck. Well, my marriage is a right. Well, my children are a wreck. Well, let, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how you get attacked. It doesn't matter how many times you get bit. It doesn't matter what you do. When you're in God's will, you are invincible. You are not... just with uh, Miss Shari and Natasha and we we're talking about their grandmother was in a horrible car accident. She was walking and she was hit by a vehicle. She's 75 years old, right? And, and the accident was something that would kill any one of us. And this little old lady with a little bit of a feisty attitude from what I understand, survived. So well, why is that? Well, here's the thing. You're not going anywhere until God decides you're going somewhere. And if you can get, you know, you say, the devil can hit me with a truck, and the devil can, you know, bite me with a snake, he can do whatever he wants. But until God decides, here's where you're going, here's when you're leaving, but let me tell you something. You say, well, Pastor, I'm going to go play in traffic. <laughs> Don't do that. Because <laughs> here's the thing, you got to be in God's will. I heard of a... We're talking about snakes, so here's a good snake story. I heard of a missionary family when I was a... Uh teenager or so, I of a missionary family who was, who, it was a husband and wife and they had a few children and they went to, I, I want to say they went to some village in Africa as missionaries. And while they were there, they encountered multiple venomous snakes, actually. And I'm not making the story up. I mean, uh, the person that told it to me might, might have made it up, but this is what I, what I heard. This missionary couple, you know, there was many times where they woke up in the morning, went out their front door and there was a snake right at their front door, you know, venomous snake. And they got scared. The wife got scared. And after a certain amount of time, they decided that there, where they were, it was not safe to raise their children. They were afraid that their children uh, would be bit by a snake and have an issue there. So they decided to leave the mission field. They decided to leave God's will and go home to Texas. True story. This family had been in Texas for about three weeks after leaving the mission field. They were getting ready to uh, leave to go grocery shopping or something. And the kids uh, were running out to get in the vehicle. And their youngest, I believe it was a son, a toddler, running out into the driveway, fell into a ditch where a rattlesnake and all the little baby rattlesnakes lived, got bit multiple times, and died. Now listen to me. They left God's will because they were afraid that a snake would bite their child. And when they left God's will, a snake bit their child. Let me tell you something. I'd rather be in God's will and know that God's going to protect me. Know that God's going to see me through. Know that God. See, here's the thing. People say to me, Pastor, I can't tithe 10% of my income. I can't live off of ninety um, percent. Look, I can't afford not to live off of ninety percent. I'd rather give God His money and make sure He's going to protect me. I'd rather you say, "Well, Pastor, I I don't work on Sunday." You don't understand. If I don't work on Sunday, I won't be able to pay my look. I would. When you're in God's will. Amen. But here's the problem. Most of us live outside of God's will. Because we're trying to not get bit. And that, my friends, when you can get bit. But there's no protection there. I'd like you to see the purpose of the attack. Look at verse number 7. It says... Well, look at verse number 6. It says, How be it, they looked when he should have swollen, or fallen down dead suddenly, But after they had looked a great while, they saw no harm come to him, and they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Crazy people. And in verse 7 it says, in the same quarters, now I want you to understand, verse 7 is in the same context of verse 6. Okay? Verse 7 comes after verse 6. And verse 7 happens because of verse 6. And in verse 7 it says, in the same quarter were possessions of the chief men of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days' criticism. Now, here's the thing. This was the chief guy of the, of the island. And he had Paul and probably Luke and the different people that were with him come stay with him. Now, why do you think he had them stay with them? Why did he choose them out of all their prison? Here's why. Because he heard Paul got bit by a, vapor, by, by a viper and then died. And that opened the door to say, Hey, bring that guy over here. I'd like to meet him. Look at verse 8. "...while he was there, and it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him." Do you see that? I want you to understand this. Paul healed the chief's father. Why? Because he happened to be at the chief's house. Why? Because he happened to get bit by a snake and didn't die. And you and I are trying to spend our entire lives trying to make sure we don't get bit by a snake when God's trying to make sure you get bit by a snake. Do you understand that? See, God is okay with sending you into a storm. If it means the furtherance of the gospel. Do you understand that? God is okay with you getting bit once or twice. Read the life of Paul. Read Corinthians where Paul says, I was beat with wrath. And I was stoned to death. And I was shipwrecked. And I was in prison, In danger of my own countrymen. In danger of heathen. And you know, he, and he talks about all these things. You know, uh, that he went without food. And he passed and himself. And he went through all these trials. Read the, read the life of Joseph. We just got done preaching through the life of Joseph. God is God's okay, Joseph. With putting you in prison for years, with having people lie about you, with having you—well, why, why would that do that? Here's why, Joseph. God has a big plan. God has a big picture, and you're just a little part in that picture. And if it means that I'm going to have you go through a trial or a storm or a viper bite, but something big's going to happen. Amen. But see, you and I—we're trying to avoid that storm. Eh. We're trying to avoid that viper. We're trying to avoid that trial. Man, if you just go in and say, well, I know I'm going to get bit. As soon as I get bit, I'll just shake off the beast and I'll be alright. So how do you know you're going to be alright? Because I'm in God's will. Well, you know, we got multiple people praying for job situations. How do you know the job situation is going to be alright? Because I'm in God's will. And if I'm in God, That's what God's interested in. The one thing you and I don't care about, soul winning. The last thing you and I ever think about doing, soul winning, that's what God's interested in. Look at verse 9. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. You see that? They had a great revival on this little island. Everybody started bringing their sick loved one to Paul. And I don't know if you know Paul, which I think we know Paul, reading the book of Acts... I don't think he was just healing them and sending them home. He was healing them and preaching the gospel. He was healing and getting them saved. He was healing. And God did a great work. Why? Because one Christian was minding his own business, trying to get warm, and a snake bites him. And because of it, a whole island comes to Christ. But here's the, here's the key. He reacted right. How do you react? Look at Verse 10 also honored us with many honors and when we departed they laded us with such things as were necessary I said number one in the story that I wanted you to see the point of the attack number two I wanted you to see the perception of the attack number three I wanted you to see the part we play in the attack number four I wanted you to see the purpose of the attack number five uh, and here's the last point I want you to see the partnership we need in the attack or when we're attacked look at verse number 11 and after three months we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Polis. Remember, they're shipwrecked on this island. They're there, it's winter time, that's why they were in the storm. And after three months, and there's another ship there, and they're able to hitch a ride with that ship, and they're on their way to Rome. They left the island of Miletus. Uh, look at verse 12. And landing in Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence we fetched a compass, and came to uh, Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, but we came the next day to, to Teoli, where we found brethren, and were desired to tarry with them seven days, And so we went toward Rome. I want you to notice verse 14, okay? Don't just read over that. Where we found brethren, and were desired to tarry with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. So he finds brethren, he fellowships for seven days, he continues on to Rome, look at verse 15, and from thence, when the brethren, notice what it says, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as a pie forum. And the three taverns, look what it says. Don't miss the last phrase in verse 15. Whom, when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. Let me tell you something. You know what you and I need when the devil's trying to attack us? Here's what you need: partners, friends, fellowship. The partnership that we are to take during the attack. Let me, let me explain something to you. I, I, I don't know if you understand this. Maybe I don't do a good job explaining this as a pastor, but let me attempt to do it now. Do you know that a lot of the things that we do in church, you can get without church? you understand that? You know what you can get preaching on the internet? You know how you can get preaching on the television? Well, let me tell you something. You're by and large not going to find King James Bible, Hellfire, and Brimstone get-in-your-face preaching. You'll find some watered-down sermonette, but you can find preaching. You know that, you know, think about the things we do in church. We preach. You can find that away from church. Uh, We sing songs. You know you can sing songs at home? You know you can find music uh, outside of church? Now, you might not find good, godly, doctrinal music, but you'll find music outside of church. And we have activities. You know you can find activities? You know there are, are social clubs that have nothing to do with religion that you can go and join up? And, and be a part of and, and be part of the Moose Lodge and be part of the Elf Lodge and be part of, I don't know, what, what, what else, else is there? <laughs> the, whatever, this association and, that, and and the bowling league and this. you know what you can find activities to do outside of church? But you know the one thing you cannot find outside of church? You know, people say, people, people say well, yeah, well, I, I have church at home See, I, I watch Joe Osteen and that's my church or, I download the sermon. You know the one thing you can't download? Is this. Fellowship with other believers. Because when you're out bowling with the unbelievers, you know that they don't understand the viper bites. You know that they don't understand the Bible at sea? <laughs> you know, when you're out in the world, you know, you can get the preaching, you can get the music, you can find activities, but the one thing you cannot get out of side of church is probably one of the most important things you need when you're in a fight when you're in a battle when you're in a trial and it's this partners it's this friends it's this fellowship it's this people that come of, of beside and encourage. Amen. That's the one thing you can't get from Joe Lostey on the television. That's the one thing you can't download off the internet, my friend, is friends and fellowship and people will come up beside you and say, I'm praying for you, brother. I, 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 I've been praying for you this week. Hey, I love you, brother. Hey, I hope you're alright. Hey, uh, uh, I know. I was there. I got bit by the snake ones. You shake him off. You'll be alright. That's the one thing you can't get outside of church. And you know what the part is? That usually... When we're going through a trial, that's the one thing we leave out is church. Pastor, I can't come to church because I'm going through a trial. I'm thinking to myself, that's when you need to be in church. Well, Pastor, can't can't you just get me the CD? I can get you the CD, but I can't get you the fellowship. Well, Pastor, can't you you just uh, get, uh, uh, get me a hymn book and I'll sing it at home? Hey, praise the Lord, I'll give everybody a hymn book. I'd love for you to sing at home. But I can't get you the fellowship. I can only get you the fellowship when you're here. And that's when you get the courage. Amen. That's when you get the, the blessing. That's when you thank God. And you you ever think you ever leave here on a Sunday night after we have taken ice cream and you talk to yourself, man, that was good fellowship. I can't even remember what the preaching was. But the fellowship was sweet. <laughs> hey, better praise the Lord for it. Because that's what you need. Amen. Why well, get fellowship at work? Not with unbelief. You don't get the courage and the encouragement you need. You talk to unbelievers about the trials of your life, you're going to end up more depressed. Why? Because they don't have the same God you have, they don't have the same Bible you have, they don't have the same hope you have, they don't have what you have. The partnership we need when we are attacked. Say, Pastor, why are you preaching this sermon? Here's why I'm preaching the sermon. It's Acts 28. I don't know if you noticed, but the last few Wednesday nights, we've been going in order from Acts 27 through Acts 26, and before that we did Acts 25 and Acts 24. It's Acts 28, but here's the thing. You know that at any given time, every single one of us is going through something? You know the one thing that I found out when I became a pastor is this? Everyone is going through something at some point. I've never pastored a church where everybody, at the same time, says, Pastor, everything's okay. Somebody calls me and says, Pastor, I'm going to do this job." And as soon as they get done to that job, someone else will call me and say, Pastor, this happened. And look, praise the Lord for it. That's what I'm here for. I want to pray for you. I want to love you. I want to be with you. So let me tell you something. At any given moment, you're going to be attacked. You're going to get a a bite from a snake. let me tell you something. Don't be surprised because you're battling with a snake. So he's going to bite. Say, well, Pastor, what do I do? Here's what you do. You just shake off the piece. You just keep walking. You just keep moving. You just keep fighting. You get the right partnership. You get the right friendship. You get the right attitude. You play the right part and you just say, I'm going to move on. I'm headed towards Rome. That's where God wants me. That's what Paul said. Notice he didn't stay on the island. As soon as the ship was ready, he said, let's go to Rome. That's where God wants me. But Paul, they think you're a god here. I know, but as soon as I get out of God's will, I'm no longer invincible. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for a crowd who would come out on a Wednesday night to have the Bible preached to them. To be part of a Bible study. And Lord, I pray you'd help this sermon to be an encouragement. And Lord, yes, serve as a warning that we're in a fight. And the devil doesn't really care if you just came out of a storm. He's right there waiting to strike. And we ought to just be ready for the fight. And oftentimes, wonderful things will happen because of it. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.